Hello and welcome to the Glow Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this episode, I'm joined by the founder of Tanologist, Lottie Tomlinson, and the brand's creative director, Lou Teasdale. Lottie Tomlinson is the sister of One Direction's Louis Tomlinson, and Lou Teasdale was the band's hair and makeup artist from day one. Although Lou was reluctant, she hired Lottie to assist her on the band's tour when Lottie was just 15, and so their friendship and working relationship began. Lottie and Lou have a really interesting take on fame and on celebrity, given that their careers exploded amidst One Direction developing what can only be described as a cult following. This led to the girls accruing a devoted fan base of their own. However, not content with resting on their laurels, the pair had longevity in mind. 2018 saw Lottie, a self-confessed tanning addict, harness her passion for beauty and develop her own self-tanning brand, Tanologist. Lottie and Lou have a combined 7 million followers at the time of recording. So of interest to me was how they have managed to translate those followers into Tanologist customers. The answer became abundantly clear as I spent time with them before I had even hit record. Lou is a wealth of business and branding wisdom and she has a really deep understanding of what it takes for a brand to have longevity, which is really no mean feat in the age of Instagram. What struck me about Lottie is that her demeanour and her approach to business really reminded me a lot of Nicola Kilner, who's co-founder and CEO of Desiem. They're two women who are really shattering that old abrasive business owner archetype and instead they're choosing to run their businesses based on kindness and resilience despite having been through literal hell over the last 18 months. Lottie and Lou are a delight. They're as charismatic and fun as they are intelligent and I have been so looking forward to sharing this conversation with you all. In this conversation, Lottie and Lou discuss the rise of indie brands in the beauty space, the power of social media, and how their time touring with One Direction taught them what it takes to build a brand. So, Lottie, you began working as a makeup artist when you were in your very early teens. And Mm -hmm. Lou, if my research serves me correctly, you began your career as a fashion assistant. But I want to rewind even further to start. What are your very first memories of beauty? Okay, so my first memories of beauty was when I was about really young probably like 12 or 13 I used to go through my mum's makeup Mm -hmm. and like I was just fascinated by what each item did so I'd be like what does highlight do and I I literally remember her telling me like you put that at the top of there to make it and I just like started finding it fascinating and then started researching all the different brands and I got to know the products really well and then one day my mum was like you can order one piece of makeup and I and I ordered the benefit erase paste Mm -hmm. remember that concealer yep classic and I used every last bit I scraped every last bit out yeah I literally treasured it amazing Lou so I mean (laughs) quite early on I met like early teens I decided 
I, I kind of saw it as a job. We were up north and kind of like no one had it as a job then, like mm-hmm. being a makeup artist. And I was like, oh, I really want to do that. I think I'd seen it on TV or something. And um, yeah, my sister, I, I'm a twin and she was ah. studying, she wanted to do law and it was kind of a bit like, oh, Lou, you need to think of a real job that you can actually Oh, get. don't you love that it real was one job? Of those. Mm-hmm. Then it was like a challenge mm-hmm. that I had to win. <laughs> really? That was kind of what that was. So it was kind of like, yeah, I'm, uh, well, I can I can do that. And um, yeah, we just, I just was always quite ambitious. And want, as soon as I sort of turned 18, um, got down to London, mm-hmm. um, I got into college um, and did my art foundation, which was all fashion. Um, and then I started assisting just anyone that would have me like really early on, just kind of just started putting in the legwork as early as I could. Amazing. I might start with your career, Lou, because you'd been working for some time before. I'm older. <laughs> you, you don't look it, babe. But it was you'd been working before your worlds collided. You're as yeah. young as you look. That's <laughs> what I'm telling myself. What prompted you to make that move from fashion to beauty? Um, I did always want to be um, beauty. What I was working in fashion, but I was doing makeup, but more in the fashion side of things. Yeah. Um, so sort of uh, fashion shoots, like testing with photographers um, and that kind of thing. And um, I started working with a guy who did more like music and TV, hair mm-hmm. and makeup. And I just found um, that I just thought I was better at it. And like one piece of advice I always give to people is, if you're good at something, you find it easy. I, I, I mean, I know people challenge themselves and I get that, but I think if you find something easy, you're good at it and do that mm. and it'll it'll go further. Yeah. Um, and I was really trying with the fashion thing and I don't, I don't think I personally sat well in that industry. And when I started doing um, uh, more music and celebrity hair and makeup and in that side of things, um, I just found... I, I really enjoyed it. I felt really comfortable in that environment. So I tried to st- I tried to stay that way. And I think it's a bit of a key to success, really. What you find um, you're comfortable in and mm. easy. When you find it easy, I think that means you're good at it. Yeah. I think that's good advice, though, because you once you like get into that job that you find easy, you can challenge yourself within that. Yeah. And then it's not and like a stretch. And grow from that, yeah. yeah. So you worked on X Factor for yeah. quite some time, which is how you met the One Direction boys and... The rest is history. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think it was about your approach to hair and beauty that had so many of these X Factor contestants specifically asking for you to look after them? Um, well, what I will say is when you work on a show like that, um, you are meeting talent from really early on in their career. Mm-hmm. So you can um, really get to know them um, and understand what they're comfortable with and their boundaries and listening. And, yeah. um, you know... With with the One Direction boys, they were really cool. They looked good anyway. And I could kind of see, like, what they wanted. And there was no fight there. There was no, like, um, I think it should be this and they think it should be that. It was kind of just about having them be, like, a groomed version of themselves. Mm-hmm. And because they they were cool anyway. And that's why they, they did so well. Um, and so I think when you work with somebody and you you stick with it and you're their person and you're reliable and you sacrifice um personal things Mm. to to be there for them um i think that you get that in return um and i think that you know when you've done someone's hair every single day for 
six months, they could go book the biggest hairdresser in the world, which when you work with an act who are that big, they do do that sometimes. Mm. And your job's at risk. And, you know, they could go and get someone amazing that can do hair a lot better than me, but they're going to think it's weird because they're yeah. not comfortable with it. And you would if you had someone of getting course. you ready every day that knows you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's really... Um, I was really fortunate because working on that show, um, it's really something to think about if you if you are getting going because going and interning and assisting and um, getting on, um, you know, getting in with people early on in their careers, um, they do take you with them if, if they're happy with it. And it's really hard for someone to knock you off if they're happy with you because it's not even about the hair and makeup sometimes with, with these jobs. It's about um, the friendship and comfort. the trust, the comfort mm. that they get from you. Um, you're in their space every day. You're the person in the dressing room. And sometimes um, a new person coming in really changes their day. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it, I think that has a huge effect uh, on whether or not you keep, keep your gig, you know? Mm. Pays to be nice totally yeah and I think that rubs off on the talent when they they've got people around them like we sort of represent them and Mm. um you know we're kind of there making making friends with everybody all the new people and making people feel welcome in the rooms and then maybe they can chill a bit and things like that Mm. it's quite nice for them Mm. amazing Lottie you were 15 when (coughs) Lou first brought you on board to (laughs) assist her on Mm. tour had you always had, obviously, you know, you became obsessed with your mum's products mm. and everything, but did you think of it as a career when you were quite young? Yeah, so I always wanted to be a makeup artist. And like, I literally used to like go to the shopping centres and watch the Mac girls and just be like, yep. oh, that must be so good. Like, I, la- I would have been happy with that. I like, wanted to just Amazing. do people's makeup all day. It's all I ever wanted to do. I used to force all my little sisters to let me do their makeup or every night I'd get over and I'd go, please let me do makeup and I'd do all these looks on them. I think that's how I ended up getting like quite good at it because I was just practicing on them all the time. Mm. So yeah, I always wanted to do makeup. I'm glad that you talked about just practicing because I feel mm. like I've had a lot of people on this podcast who have started beauty brands but started as makeup artists. Yeah. So many of them have been self-taught and have yeah. just kind of like been thrown into it and learnt on the job. You being so young with your first like professional job, mm. can you talk me through that time? Because that is a pretty huge gig for your first oh experience. Oh my god, she of wouldn't work. speak. Really? No. She was but so you knew scared. Them. Well, I didn't know Lou. I didn't know. Lou. Oh, okay. I didn't know the team. So like when I first went, I obviously knew Louie, but not everyone else. So yeah. it was really like daunting. My mum kind of like pushed me into going. Amazing. And I was like, oh my god, and then. I was like, I was like, just do a week and it'll be fine. And then I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what an assistant was. So I, I still she was, don't. I, I will say though, she was such a good little grafter and like, um, and reminded me of me when I was an assistant. I, mm-hmm. Like, if I was assisting someone, I would just do anything they needed and like forward think and like make their life easy. Mm. Um, and then I always had assistants that weren't doing that. And I'm yep. thinking like, oh, like they would turn up. At, at work and kind of be like uh, when can I get off today oh my God. you know I, like I'm meeting my mum like mm. and I'd be like god I would have never done that mm. and no. when um so Lottie's mum called and asked if she could come and assist me and I thought well I don't really need an assistant because I just do these boys and mm. I hardly do anything <laughs> and um and I was like of course um yeah like we can I can teach her stuff that's fine but I thought it would be more like 
a job for me to teach her stuff I yeah. didn't think she would actually assist me because I thought well she's quite privileged she's Louis's sister she's not getting sent home is she you know <laughs> I kind of thought you know a good assistant is like trying to keep their job that's why they're keen yeah and so I kind of thought like the dynamic I wouldn't end up with a good assistant and um, but she used to do like really cute stuff and like put me like a little diet coke in the car my phone charger and like get the bits out the kit that I like in my own makeup bag that she would remember and like make it so I could just run straight off set and get in the car nice. and just flop down and like just like make me cups of tea and I know that sounds stupid but like when you're working and, and mm. you don't have any time and someone's like thinking she wants a cup of tea like it's so easy it's the easiest stuff when you're assisting and um, to make the person that you're working for want you around and it's those little things that I think everyone miss because they're trying to learn for themselves rather than actually assist somebody Mm. and so she was really good at that she would just sort of clean bushes make everything nice keep everything nice keep the station nice um and then I think it was like a couple of months in she had like a holiday booked with her friends or she didn't come for a week and I was like lost I was like (laughs) oh I like I don't know where anything is and like everything's just a mess and was she coming back yet and I think like that's a real uh, sign of a good assistant because then you mm. need them mm. and then you know I remember when I was an assistant I made him need me who I was working for mm. so then I could start asking for some pay and like yeah um, look after me and I want this and you you need to make them need you and then you can tell them what you need when you've earned your, you know, mm. you've paid your dues. You're going to be indisposable. Yeah, mm. totally. Were there any lessons, Lottie, that you learnt from Lou that you feel like you're still applying now? Um, <laughs> I yeah. know what she's going to say. Don't drink on the job. Yeah. Don't drink ever. Don't drink ever. <laughs> don't, yeah. Don't be drunk. Don't be that, don't be that girl. Uh, <laughs> Timekeeping. That's probably the main thing. Yeah, be on time. We're just mm-hmm. literally the first ones down. Leslie, aren't we the first ones down? <laughs> we're just at the lap <laughs> great <laughs> yeah love it i think timekeeping is really important especially if you do want to work with um big talent if you want to tour mm-hmm. if you want to be part of something that's functioning um it's just not about you it's about the bigger picture and i think people um people really overlook those really simple things and they're yeah. really important and I think keeping people waiting is really rude and Agreed. it's manners it's so simple mm. and um I think I think Lottie came to me so young it was like such a boot camp <laughs> but now we do like influencer trips and brand trips and things like that mm. and all the girls just swan down like 40 minutes late and I'm like We're my like, head is hell? gone they're <laughs> coming down 40 minutes 40 if they say eleven o'clock, we're down that quarter to eleven, and that's yep. just that's how we roll. Cause from touring, mm. isn't it? Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Were there any lessons that Lottie taught you? Oh yeah, so many. I think when, um, I think that's like a piece of advice that I would give to um, makeup artists too is to learn from uh, youth culture, your mm-hmm. assistants, um, people younger than you. <laughs> they they generally know what's cool better than you. And well, um, we just taught her about MySpace, Tom. Totally, so. totally. <laughs> but Still yeah, learning. she when uh, Lottie came to work for me um, first, I had some contracts with some brands, and I would um, work for them um, in as as an expert, and that's how brands used to market their products, mm-hmm. um, beauty brands, anyway. Um, and Lottie came, and it was when social media was happening, and YouTubers and uh, tutorials and all of those things were mm. happening, but 
to be honest, makeup artists in the industry didn't even realize that was happening. Right. Um, and really had their eyes closed to it. Um, and I was lucky enough to have, you know, a 15, 16 year old with me, like, um, he was watching this stuff and I'm like, what's that? And show me that and who's that? And um, she actually taught me so much about um, what was actually happening in makeup when it was a really exciting time. And um, uh, experts in the field, I think, were really behind on it. Mm-hmm. And I was really lucky to have that um, have have that. And that was sort of given to me. And um, and I think it's really about having your eyes open to those things and not being um, like stubborn or um, shut off to what's actually happening. And uh, industries like that tend to be kind of like, well, this is the way it is. And that's and that's yeah. that. And, and people are really reluctant to move with the time, especially with social media. Mm. Um, whereas I just found it really exciting, I think, because she found it so exciting. And I just think that's cool. Like she was buzzing off watching these girls doing their makeup. I just think that's really cool. Yeah. That's how I learned a lot of what I know was from YouTube as well. Amazing. Yeah, and she was better at makeup than me. <laughs> I literally like taught 15. myself everything from watching these videos all the time and yeah. practicing what I was watching. Yeah, and I was sisters. kind of watching it like, I want to try that. And that's actually a really good tip. And like, I remember telling you about like the contour and you were like, what? The, like, yeah, the highlight not a clue. Like, and so... um. And so we, then we started doing pictures and I was like, you're doing a tutorial. She's like, no, yeah. we're doing one. And I'm setting up this like little like camp. In Still remember office. what look I did. It was that yeah. Kim one with the blue. Yeah. Oh, Kim okay. I just I, literally just plonked it down. I was like, well, just do it and we'll just delete it if you don't like it. And I like everything. She's like, it yeah, I like it. It seems crazy how <laughs> like, I would be nervous to do that back then. Yeah. And I wouldn't think twice about it now. Yeah. It's crazy. But I guess at that stage, it was probably still... I don't know, like a bit of the unknown because it was yeah. still such a new thing. And I think because I was so young, all my friends are still at my mm. friends are still at school, so I was like, I don't want them like thinking, like watching it, and she that, was embarrassed. I yeah. was embarrassed for them to see. I get that. And a few of them did make fun of me for it, but mm. look at me now. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Sorry, who was in the Day yeah. Day this Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So it was that kind of first tour that you guys worked on together with One Direction that kind of catapulted you both into the spotlight Mm. what was it like having that much attention on you so suddenly because I feel like the trajectory was pretty steep and quick um god we just didn't even really know no I feel like it's probably for the best I feel like it was still like mainly on the boys and we were just kind of yeah we were yeah they were always the talent yeah and we were the staff and so we didn't like look at it like that like it used to be quite crazy because we would say if we were in Melbourne, mm. they would be like, we'd find it really hard to walk around because there would be loads of fans everywhere. But that was because there was a concert there. Yeah, of course. So there, it was like a saturated area of One Direction fans wherever we were. Right. So it kind of felt for a bit like we get mobbed everywhere we go, but it, mm. it wasn't that. It was just because where we were going, there was a concert. So any we fans anywhere near were there. And yeah, so mm. it, it was like... But even then, it was it, it was never too crazy for us. Like we always like I've got a little girl, and people are like, well, was it not scary for her? And I think I never wanted her to be scared of people. Yeah. So I would never sort of teach her to not speak to them. And the yeah. same with you. It was always kind of like we'd always just have a nice conversation with the girls, and it's cute that they're so excited. It and was like, nice to be able to meet people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because on world. social media, it's like they're there, but not really. Yeah, yeah. And um, whereas I think we were quite lucky because we got to, uh, we were actually them. living it. We we're actually sort of living it as well. Mm. Um, and then that was just sort of a number on there. We we were using it. Um, 
back then we used to use it more just to like keep in touch with mates and things like that. Yeah. And then then it started working with like working with some brands and mm. posting pictures where we were like styling ourselves mm. and things like that. We started doing all that kind of thing. Mm. Social media. We're going to talk mm. more about that. Yeah. <laughs> I obviously want to talk about tanologists. Mm-hmm. Lottie, you have been a tanning addict for a very long time. Yeah. Can relate, but you were mixing together like different formulas and stuff to get the finish you were after. Yeah. At what point did you think, okay, I could potentially make a business here? I think over the years I've always just been addicted to it just for how confident it would make me. Like mm-hmm. I, I literally couldn't believe that I could put this tan on and feel like a different person. Yep. But I have really sensitive skin so it would always break me out. So then I was always like, I had a white face and then a really tanned body and then I'd try and match mm-hmm. my foundation, which would make me break out more because I was constantly wearing foundation. Then it would go on my sheets, blah, blah, blah. So then I just thought, why not create something that doesn't do all those things? And mm-hmm. I think with influencing, it's easy to just do the posts and you know yeah. go on the trips, but I wanted something that was mine, like my own brand. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone was doing like makeup and like makeup ranges. And I thought, why not do tanning? Because that was more my passion. Yeah. Yeah. And like, if you use it that often, you know yeah. it. So that was the gap you were trying to fill, something mm. that doesn't like transfer and doesn't break yeah. you out. I feel like it's one thing to have this amazing idea, but then to execute it and to physically like create a product is a whole thing yeah. entirely. So where did you start? How did you come up with a name, start, you know, going through the motions? I think tanologist was like, it's just an obvious like choice because I was like a tanologist. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I felt so like... I've done so much research into it and I've used so many, like I must have used every tan like on the market yeah. trying to find it. So like it's more like I was like a tan geek. And then we were really lucky to find like a really good um, business partner factory. And it was just like mm-hmm. trial and error trying to find a formula that worked. And I think I just based it on my problems and then trialed it on myself and all that stuff. So it was a long process, but we got there in the end and got a really good product out of it. How long do you think it took to come up, like between coming up with the idea and then launching? Over a year. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. Mm. But it it goes quick. You look back and it's like a year, but it doesn't seem like that when Mm. you're kind of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Lou, when did you come on board as a creative director? Well, I actually have been on board since the beginning. So, I mean, since I met Lottie, I've been sort of mentoring her and part of her management team. Mm. Um, And so... It was really, it was it was my deal for Lottie in a sense. So th- yeah. uh, Lottie's business partner, um, I've known him for a lot of years and he was who I would, he was my go-to person for um, uh, that kind of deal that I she to wanted, you, I to, wanted do. to do. Like Tan, then yeah, you and me he's like amazing. He's kind of who I would go to for that. He's, yeah. he's, he's a genius and he, takes over that side for us as well like the manufacturing and that yeah. whole side of things so that Lottie can focus on sort of building the brand and what the brand yeah. is um, and MP yeah new product development um all that side of things um marketing um the strategy the people mm. we want involved the events um yeah. what countries we want to come to like all that side of things yeah um <coughs> um it's for me it's been more sort of the creative vision is very much what what Lottie's brand is, mm-hmm. and it's just sort of being the sort of person in the middle trying to achieve, like make sure it's achieved and both ends are happy and mm-hmm. things like yeah. that. 
that's so the key isn't it to bring on board and hire people that are like the best at what they do so then you can focus on what you do best yeah and and i think finding business partners is like the key to a successful business Mm. as well definitely um and i think when that works i think the business works and and the partnership and there's there's a lot of mutual respect i think and that's what, where we work together really well because I really respect what she brings. She really respects what I bring. And we have the same with our business partner. Like when he means something, he means something and mm. we really respect him. Uh, and he gives us the same back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it has longevity. Yeah. Um, there's not really much butting heads at all. Mm-hmm. That's so good. I do want to talk a bit about what you each bring to the business because I feel like the general public or people that don't own a business per se look at working with friends as this really like scary risky move but I've had so many people on this podcast that have said no it's like the best decision I've ever made and I imagine that's the case for you guys as well what do you think you each bring to the business that makes it work so smoothly um well I have had businesses with friends that have gone horribly wrong okay um, yeah, I've had businesses with friends that haven't worked out, but stayed really amicable. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, we've always, I mean, we're very, very close friends. But it, w- since the beginning, it's been in a work capacity, really. Mm. So we've had that sort of um, dynamic already, rather than friends first, and yeah. then trying to introduce business dynamic can be quite difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think if if what both bring. Um, there's a respect there. I think it kind of yeah, works. I think we're lucky because we just got trust. Like, I would never doubt lose mm-hmm. trust. I don't think you would mind. No. I do think that's quite rare. And yeah. I, but I, if I was starting a new business with a friend, I, I would feel a bit... It's stressful. It's risky. It's so stressful. Yeah. It really it's quite, is. It's, quite an, it's not a normal situation what we've got. No. A lot of people would want that. Do you know what, what I mean? Would, mm. The question is, what would you say you bring then? She no pressure. Oh, what, what do you each bring, bring that works for each other? Mine. What would you say? What do I bring to the business? Yeah. Um, you well, bring the, youth. Like the tan. <laughs> she <laughs> knows what's going down. I'm yes. the tan expert. She's I'm the, the expert. tanologist. Yeah. yeah. So that's a quite important like part. I, I think, like I said before, I think that to, like Lottie's brand, and it's something that I always want to make sure is happening, is that her brand is it translates through tonologist and, yeah. and they're the same brand and it like she embodies um, what a tonologist girl is mm-hmm. um and what the customer aspires to yeah um, and it and it sort of like i think that comes across in the product it comes across in everything we do our shoots um the people that we invite that everything mm-hmm. i think that comes from that always comes from you yeah essentially um whereas i suppose i bring the element that sort of to make sure that's commercialized um, and right. sort of the other business partners are happy mm-hmm. with it and things like that and it's just mentoring really yeah. like making sure like you know we're here and we've been to the Whitsunday to the weekend but really we've been getting content yeah. and it's, it's all mm. we sort of think Good about content and I think, too. yeah oh. and I think like we need to be like um, showing this, showing that stuff for uh, you know it to be worth even being here and posting. Mm. Otherwise, there's no point in even coming here. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah, and I take photos, so I bring that. Yeah. Very important. <laughs> Very important. Very important. Yeah. <laughs> Particularly with beauty because it's visual. Yeah, yeah it is. 
So as it stands, there are 16 products in the yes. terminologist portfolio. Yes, can count. So there's like mousses, drops, waters, graduals, the whole Is that with each shade? Lot. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Got it. <laughs> what did you develop first? I think it was like the mousse. The mousse came first. Yeah. It was about getting it clean. It was our mousse clear. drops and water. That was like our original idea. So we wanted like the clear, the clear formula. Yeah. Then we obviously wanted people to have a choice some people only use mousse yeah some people only use a spray and then obviously we had the idea to do the drops then i think gradual came after that mm-hmm. and then the extra dark. instant yeah yeah extra dark's our most recent so i was like the dark's just not going quite dark enough <laughs> for me i was like i need a really dark tan so we create extra dark that's why you're the tenologist. <laughs> in as little or as much detail as you want, can you talk me through the range and how we would pick what is the best product for us? Okay, so I think for a beginner, probably um, drops or the water because you just it's really easy to use, especially with the drops because it's not doing something you haven't done before. Yeah. So it's like you've got to apply your foundation, so why not add a few drops and then start mm-hmm. getting used to tanning? or say like body moisturizer or foundation cons- anything like that yeah you're distracting me am i yeah it's so good because my next questions are about social media so <laughs> this is perfect and then for more of like a experienced tanner you could use a mousse yeah extra dark or for someone that's even less confident you could just use the gradual we've got like a, a gradual lotion and mm-hmm. that's just like moisturizer you don't even have to add or you could add some drops to make yeah. it darker but you don't have to so that's a really good one for beginners amazing it all just seems pretty fail safe yeah yeah there's is. something for everyone in the yeah. race that's what we're trying to be we're trying to be as inclusive as we can mm. and make sure we reach everybody yeah Amazing. Well, let's talk about social while we're in the midst of <laughs> selfie time. She's doing a story and I was like, <laughs> do I post? Was, do I carry on? It was good what you were saying. I know, but then I just saw them. Oh, <laughs> well, BTS. Of course. <laughs> um, as we're recording this, you combined have something to the tune of 7 million followers. Mm-hmm. There, this is the this is what blows my mind because I feel like there are so many people on Instagram creating beautiful content and like doing amazing things, but for you guys to have an audience of that size that are so engaged, like there's got to be more to it. So what do you think it is about what the two of you are doing online that is resonating with so many people? Um, well, I think like our followers originally came from uh, One Direction fans, X Factor fans, like that mm-hmm. kind of girl. Um, and I think like there were a lot of people on tour with the boys at the time and a lot of family and things like that. And I think what where we were really lucky is that um, the majority of their fan base or when you look at our insights, are um, 16 to 22 year old females yeah. mm. um who and um, we're doing hair and makeup trends and fashion trends and that really connects yeah and um they were really into what we were doing mm-hmm. um, and i think a lot of um women around the boys or whatever maybe girlfriends and things like that whereas we were kind of doing the hair and beauty thing and I think that's, I don't know if that's less of a yeah. threat or what, but they just lo- loved it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was just kind of like something like fun and extra. Mm. And so we were lucky to have that. And then since then, I think we just, we do work quite hard on our content. Yeah. Like. I think we share a lot as well. We let them in on like yeah. our lives. And I think they, they love that. And we do a lot together. We keep in touch with a lot of people from 
the original that is yeah. um and people really engage with that um mm-hmm. and i think like people like seeing you with your friends and at work yeah. and just things that they can relate to mm-hmm. um so we just i don't know I don't know what no, it. I don't I know don't what it is, but we've just been really lucky with it. I don't it. think there's one thing. I think yeah, it's just no. We seem to be doing something right. And as well, like we're trying to use the platform um, for as much good as we can. Like we say, we started this brand, and you know we can speak to all of these people and get their feedback, and we can use that now, and mm. we can post um, of what we're doing, and even like the negative stuff, we can we can go into it and we can ask them you know what it is that they think that we can do and use it in that way and we're just trying to use it in as much of a positive way as we can like we had followers so early on we learned a lot in the beginning Mm. um where you know you just wouldn't even realize some things that you do might offend a huge group of people especially with beauty and you have to be really careful and at first i think we felt like super attacked and we didn't understand it whereas now i think god like we don't want to offend anybody and actually that's so interesting and i think that brands i think that um celebrities i think that all these people haven't had um haven't had followers or people to comment to get a response from to what Mm. they're doing they just do whatever they want Mm. and i think that's what's really um it's actually really exciting and progressive and that's what people need to take from social media and brands need to listen and and we want to make sure as a brand that we're listening and as influencers that we're listening and and make sure that um our content is is super positive and Mm. relatable and um there's nothing there's no like negative side to anything like that and if anything comes from it then deal with that and we put out positive messages we follow everyone and Mm -hmm. we respond to everyone i think all those Mm. things really like make a difference yeah that is so refreshing because i feel like so many people who would have a following of that size just go you know what i'm just not going to read any of it it's Mm. and just kind of discard it i think that i think we it's it's our business and yeah. we take it really seriously and it looks like we're on holiday <laughs> <laughs> we are on holiday but we do take it really seriously and i think like yeah, yeah so i i think a lot of people with frauds maybe don't read their comments and that's cool like that that if they if they don't need to i see it as something that that's why it keeps our brand strong mm. it, keeps what we, it keeps what we're doing going in the right direction mm-hmm. absolutely the other thing is, okay, so you've got this really engaged following, but then to turn that audience into a paying customer, like getting them to go out and physically buy the Tanologist products, again, another thing. So what do you think it is about Tanologist and the range that is resonating with your audience? Yeah, I will say, like, I think people see your follower number and they kind of think, well, if you just sold to, like, sold one thing for £2 to all your followers, you're a millionaire. Yeah, it's that easy. Well, yeah, that's what they think. Or if you're going to (laughs) tag, can you tag my business and then I'm going to be a millionaire, Yeah, you know? And it's like... And it doesn't convert like that. And it it doesn't convert like that for brands that employers and that's not how it works. Um, And so I think, like... the main thing I'll say with uh, Tonologist is it's a really good product. Yeah. And so I think like you could remove us yeah. and it's a very sellable tan because it's innovative and it's got it's mm. got something that you can't get from somewhere else. So first and foremost, I would say it's just a really good tan. Mm. Yeah. And so you've got a almost, strong product. You can't just put something no average out there and expect just because you've got followers, it's going to sell. It might sell the first time, but no one's going to be a exactly, repeat customer. Yeah. yeah, 
It's not just a lot of repeat customers. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants it again. Yeah. Mm. And like we were saying as well, like um, we use the followers as positively as we can, and, yeah. and we're a brand that can respond mm. and to followers. So we're lucky to have that, and a lot of brands don't have that. So I think like. Mm-hmm. to make sure that it's inclusive and make sure that it's giving out the right message mm. yeah there's a dialogue mm-hmm. a bit of a broader question about social Lottie you've obviously mentioned how a lot of what you learn about being a makeup artist has come from YouTube mm. how do you both feel that social media has changed and continues to change the beauty industry on the whole I think it's made it really exciting. Yeah. I think there's still so much room to grow. Mm. I think that some people are like, oh, it's really saturated now and blah, blah, blah. But I just think there's so much more room for everyone. There's I think so, so much room for everybody. And I think that brands are listening more. I think that they need to listen to the consumer. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we wanted our product to be clean, vegan, clear, chemical free, cruelty free, mm-hmm. um, inclusive, um, sustainable, like all of these all of these factors that brands have to listen to mm. now because of social media yeah. and it's actually making product better and they can't get away with um, just putting cheap rubbish out and uh, it, it, they just yeah. can't get away with it and I think that's gonna only going to make the industry stronger mm-hmm. and they can't get away with um, faking eyelashes on advertising pictures anymore yeah. and things like that. Some of them people, are still trying. Yeah, they're yeah. still trying, but really the YouTubers are going to use it and say this is good and this isn't yeah. good. Um, and so I think but the products can Stronger only get products. stronger. Yeah. Mm. Amazing. You've both been in Australia now for just, is it just under a week? Or no, just, just over. Just yeah. over a week. <laughs> in the time that you've been here, what have you noticed are maybe some differences in the way that Australians are approaching beauty and more specifically approaching tanning compared to the rest of the world? I think Aussie girls like a deeper tan, don't they? Yeah, mm. like, they're all really tanned. <laughs> they're and I'm such like, goals oh. and beautiful. All the Aussie girls. They're like fit, healthy. <laughs> yeah, they're skin. outdoorsy, more Pretty. natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's loads of girls, obviously, Aussie girls at our event, and we were like, oh, they're all so pretty and tanned. <laughs> and but I think that they really like, I think that Tonologist as a brand, I think works really well here. Yeah. I think that yeah. the Aussie girl really does embody like what we aspire the Tonologist girl like, yeah. to be. And like, um, I think that hopefully it'll do really well because of that. Yeah, yeah I think it will. It almost looks like an Aussie brand. Yeah, it does. It could be. And we always mm. take a lot of references from loads of Aussie brands, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like Frank Body and brands mm. like that. Oh, we always, the loves of my life. Those yeah, girls. we mm. we always um, reference Aussie brands um, mm. when we're looking at things we like. Yeah. Um, so I think it. Yeah, it's almost even like location and stuff yeah. like that. It's just Australia is very tanologist. Amazing. <laughs> just stay here forever, guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just come back. We'll just yeah. move. <laughs> Beautiful. You don't have to go back to your, your lives. <laughs> so. You are in Australia now. You are stocked in Priceline, which is very exciting. Yes. You're also stocked in retails like Superdrug and Target in the Northern Hemisphere. Mm-hmm. How has working with such major retailers changed the way that you're doing things or has it changed it at all? Yeah, it definitely makes us think about like the bigger picture and like when we're posting, mm. we're trying to like direct content mm. for the right retailer. I think um, with America... They really like the supernatural tan, yeah. like uh, all the markets are quite different. It's really mm-hmm. interesting. Mm. I just think it's sick that we're actually in shops like Target and Priceline because yeah. like traveling 
these places when we were on tour, like their shops we're really familiar with. Mm. So it's like really special that now our products, like all these years later, are now stocked in those same. We retailers. were like screaming in Priceline the other day. It was so. I was like, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> she just ran in like screaming. I'm there at the board like. <laughs> 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 well, just yeah. to have this like tangible thing on a shelf is so exciting. It's yeah, a really it proud is. moment. Mm. Yeah, well, you should be. Um, Lottie, with with the products, are you constantly thinking what's next as far as product development, or are you kind of reacting to what people are asking for, or a bit mm. of both? I think I'm always thinking. Like, I've got so many ideas, mm. but it's just like taking the time to get it right because it's very easy to just have like an average product and you want to get yeah. it out like i want to get that product out and launch it yeah but like it, you need to take your time with it and i think that's why we've been successful with mm. our range at the moment because we haven't rushed it yeah but yeah there's going to be a lot of uh, new products to come oh, that's exciting lou given how much experience you have in the industry how would you say that beauty has changed between when you first started and today <coughs> Oh, so much. Like I was saying, like with social media, I think the brands have had to really up their game. I think it's really exciting that indie brands can do so well now and they can put out like one hero product and Mm. become super powerful. And I think the big, the big brands that like, I remember like your bigger, your big brands like your Maybellines and your L'Oreal's and things like that, they would create their innovation they would sort of create the trends with some sort of innovation or yeah. they would put out like a sponge foundation and that was the new thing and it would come from above whereas i think now it comes from the consumer mm. and what they're actually buzzing off on instagram yeah. and it and it kind of trickles up and the brands have to react mm-hmm. and i think it's totally flipped around and you kind of get a lot less of these kind of like gimmicky products and it's just more about really strong good payoff um like high pigment Mm. and a good price like that's why we really like Priceline because I think um I think everything needs to be accessible now yeah definitely um, because um people really jump on that um and so yeah I think I think it's all about it's all about what the consumer wants now Mm. rather than what the big conglomerate brands um, are pushing from the top down which i don't know if that ever worked i think it would just they just have to either regurgitate what did work Mm -hmm. and keep trying with some things and maybe it catches and i think it's just totally flipped on its head now and i think um obviously it's made the indie brands a lot more powerful and it's made those those bigger brands have to listen yeah so that's changes that we have seen what do you both think we can expect to see from the beauty industry in the coming years um i think obviously everything's moving towards like cruelty free vegan Mm -hmm. sustainability i think that i think that um i think there's so much single-use plastic in Mm. beauty i think it's such a big um problem that the industry as a whole need to combat and i think Mm -hmm. like when you know we're sat there in our meetings like it always comes up and it's really really difficult and i think that social media and things like that are kind of pushing the people who actually have the power to do something Mm. about it to actually change those things and maybe make have people um use reusable bottles and refills and things like that and like change the culture completely yeah um when it comes to single-use plastics um and yeah and vegan and cruelty free like Mm -hmm. i think there's still markets where they do still test and i think like um i just think in this category there's no room for it anymore yeah amazing 
well, it's exciting that that's where it's heading. I yes. hope so. My final question for you both. Mm-hmm. What is next for Tanologist? What are you next for Tanologist? The sky's <laughs> the limit for Tanologist. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just creating new products, growing it more. Hopefully we'll come back to like Australia and America. Hopefully. See, and maybe even launch another country. That was Lottie Tomlinson and Lou Teasdale, founder and creative director, respectively, of Tanologist. You can find them on Instagram at Lottie Tomlinson, at Lou Teasdale and at Tanologist Tan. To read this interview, you can visit glowjournal.com and for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at gemkwatts or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty and business lovers can find us. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast and thank you for joining me.